welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm Dan. I'm Jordan. And for me sitting here, but she doesn't want to be on the microphone at all. Um, but she was showing me this video, and so it was, uh, it was, and I've seen a lot of these. Like I think ever since uh, OK Go, or um, who else did them? I guess it's like just the whole uh, uh, like Glee, where you have like one shot, right? So it's a whole video, and it's one shot, and you got people coming in and out of the shot, and it's, you know, and recently it's become super popular where people are lip syncing a song. It's not right. even the artist, it's not even like the band who made this video. It's just some like dude in his garage, and he gets <laughs> a couple of his friends, and they just like do the whole lip sync thing. Um, and it's becoming, you know, a bit of a thing, right? And so there's this, there's this one that we watched today that, um, that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, and it's just a dude. It's like 60 people, a marriage proposal. If you Google it, you can find it. Am I going to cry? Uh, I think so. You might. Let's, let's just watch it for a second. I think it's on radio. And we'll watch it, and because people can't see this, we'll just kind of describe it as much, best we can. And we'll... So this, this dude, he goes and he um, gets a bunch of his friends together, and he, like, um, he proposes to his girlfriend by uh, taking a truck. Like it's, it's basically a car. They're in the back of the car. The camera's out the back of the car. And it's along the street, and people just kind of dancing in and out of the shot, as the car drives down the street very, very slowly. So it's kind of this rolling, like panning out camera thing, and people keep dancing in and out of the of the shot. All right. Um. And so, I I mean the first thing that comes to mind, and not that I've ever watched this show at all, but it's it's kind of very Glee like. <laughs> What's that? Glee. <laughs> So he's setting up the, the shot, uh, camera in the back. Let's skip that. I want to see it. <laughs> so he's pretending to bang on the pot. Yeah, he's banging on a pot, and then it's going down the street. Um, and she's sitting there in front, kind of listening. Uh, and I guess the the name of the video is "Best Marriage Proposal Ever?" Question mark If you wanted to. So you got like a couple people doing some kind of fake dancing, and then some dude walks in front, and they're doing like this weird. Uh, Mime, whatever action. Dancing. I like this. This is really, really nice. Yeah. Actually, Some old people very, walking all the time. Very, very, I mean, warm. I mean, nice. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. Remember, do you guys have you ever seen the television show? I don't know if they're still playing it. I saw it last year or whatever, and it's basically it's called like the proposal or something, right? And it's this whole production. Is about, that a reality show? Is it a BBC thing? Uh, it is a reality no, show. No, no, you're thinking of something else. Yeah, but basically, yeah. So <laughs> so they have, like, this whole set and a whole crew and that kind of stuff, and they put on this huge, you know, extra, uh, big show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they set it all up, and they take them through different rooms, and they have dancers and actors, and at the very end of it, 
he asks if he wants if he if he'll marry her. And what's she gonna say? No after <laughs> all that, right? Like, no, you smell. <laughs> Fuck that, right? Okay, so like now there's like fifteen or twenty people all doing choreographed dancing in front of the camera. Yeah. And and you wanna watch the end of it or we don't need to record this right now for <laughs> We're not recording but, this. We're okay, not. but I'm enjoying it. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, it's not really So my my first reaction is it's all it's it's kind of like Glee. It's a little dancey. It's a little very musical. Yeah, musical. and so this dude who's putting this together, his girlfriend, uh, she shouldn't necessarily. Well, she should be very worried that maybe the dude's gay. That he, <laughs> that's how well it's put together. Well, it's like it's very gay. It's. I would call it super gay. But you don't know what their relationship is, right? He's, like they he might asked be a her whole... to marry him. I think he's very into dancing. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they met. At... <laughs> I know you don't like music. We are not big fans of musicals. If I ever choose to to ask someone for for their hand in marriage, I would want it to be something big and spectacular like this as well. Oh. Um. I guess we paused it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was fun. Well, it lasted. You would want it to be big and spectacular. Yeah. Like, I'd want it to be a special moment, um, you know, because, like, in, undoubtedly, your friends and your family are a very big part of your relationship as well, right? Yeah. So, to include all of them at the same time, I think it would be, Yeah. you know, I but that's that. just what I look for in a relationship yeah, myself. Like Sometimes you just don't have time to do the big proposal. I mean, yeah. like, you know, she's got a, only a few minutes before her next stripping set. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like you know she's already like five months pregnant yeah, so she's eight centimeters dilated <laughs> yeah. and we're like we're kind of running out of time either we head down to whatever the 24-hour chapel and we get this shit done or you don't have time to kind of put it all together right? my friend at work she just got proposed to and she's like complete opposite she doesn't want none of that shit blah 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 blah, blah. so her boyfriend actually proposed to her in a closet <laughs> i thought it was funny <laughs> But she was just in the closet hanging up her clothes or whatever, right? Uh -huh. She turns around and he's on one knee with this huge fucking oh, ring. I hope you were going to say ring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm giving you... Because I don't know. I didn't need to know that. His, his family owns like this mushroom farm, right? So the ring, you should see it. This diamond, it's huge. Right? And she's like, she's 20, some 20-something-year-old. She's like, oh, I don't like it. It looks like an old person's ring. And we're all like, that's because it takes a whole lifetime to buy a fucking diamond that big. Like, that's like an old person's ring. But, yeah, that was like... <laughs> all right. Jesus. Well, yeah, I thought this was super gay. Well, I'm glad that you decided to show it to us. Yeah, no, I mean... You know, you shouldn't use the word gay. I, I take offense to that. So, no, no, in this case, I actually mean the dude might be a homosexual. Right. So this is very homosexual. Dennis, I'm not... It's not derogatory, man. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, today, I guess what, I wanted to play that interview that we had earlier. With the Darcy's. Yeah, so well, one um, of the Darcy's. Maybe to give you guys some background, Darcy's are a Canadian band from Toronto. Um, they are, uh, they've just put out, well, it's it, really interesting. They put out an album of all Steely Dan covers. Uh, and before that, uh, they put out an album, uh, their like, self titled album, but the order was kind of mixed up. So they recorded the Steely Dan album, then they recorded their uh their self-titled album put out the self-titled album and then put out the steely dan album like a year later so, well, i think it's smart 
You yeah. don't really want to open with a no, all no, cover no. band. Well, no, they had a few albums before that. It wasn't oh, okay. their first album. It's just that I guess they got signed to Arts and Crafts. Uh, then they put out the album, I suppose, that Arts and Crafts were behind and wanted. One, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then they put out this this cover album, which is which is ballsy. I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm not a. You're not a Steely Dan fan, right? <laughs> not too much of a steely no no not really yeah i i think putting out a whole album of steely dan is that's super it's a, yeah it's a brave move to make but you it's know it's also one of, it's also like kind of you know no one ever thought of that right it's like you could put out the rolling stones album <laughs> and everyone's gonna go whatever and even even if you want to talk like um like danger mouse who did the gray album the the jay-z and um and the white album by the beatles All right so he does that, he puts out the Grey album, and that's what got him noticed, right? He put this album out. Uh, he couldn't sell it because he didn't have any licensing, so he, he just gave it away for free right. on the internet, and that's what broke him. Like, that's, that's what made him famous, and then after that, all the doors were open, he was able to do lots of things. Huh. So, in the case of these guys, I'm assuming that the reason why it's free, or why it's available for free, is because they don't have the licensing, and the Copyright there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I think it's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, band from Toronto, we saw them maybe a week ago in Vancouver, we were watching the clap your hands and say, yeah, show. No, it was nothing to clap about. <laughs> no, and, and I, we'd seen them in, remember we saw them in Tokyo? In Tokyo. We saw them at, where was it, in Shinagawa, and the shitty thing about that show, I mean, their performance was a little lackluster, not, <laughs> they weren't super excited about it, but... The shittiest thing was there was a it was a giant venue maybe bigger than the Commodore or a similar size. It's about a, yeah like Big, about the same size as Commodore. Totally packed, mm -hmm. and the beer the window or the the counter for buying alcohol might as well have been a coat check. Like <laughs> it was one dude pouring beers, and the lineup probably went from one end of the place to the other end of the place, yeah. curled around and went back to the other end of the place. Wow. And I guess nobody wants beer or they didn't think that anybody wants to drink at a show, at a club. <laughs> it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's the difference between in North America and in Japan, I guess. Was that like all the venues in Japan? No, or? it never happened at any other uh, show. Like, it, yeah. But that particularly at that place, has a small booth for... Right. So it was like it used to be something else, and they're like, "Hey, let's put no, a venue it's a, in it's here." Actually, and... it's a new place. It's like a new, like it's huh. just a built like a, yeah. five years ago, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, that whole thing just left a bad taste in my mouth. I think just having, I mean, you get to we just like you know, there's maybe eight of us at the show. And it's like, okay, well, you stand in line this time, and once you get to the end, you buy like as many beers as you can carry, <laughs> and then one other person will get in line right away. Oh, uh, yeah, you have to do that. It's just, it was ridiculous. And, and then after all that, uh, there was some out-of-tune singing. Uh, and and the, the, the album was great. I was so excited for that show. Maybe that was one of the other reasons. There, the the Clabberhand to Say yeah album, I don't know when this was, 2008-ish? Seven? That album was, Seven, was fantastic. Eight, yeah, eight. Um, and yeah, super excited. And then, you know, not having a great show. And it was not just the... The beer situation. It was the band wasn't playing great. It was maybe an off night, uh, but yeah. So I wasn't super hmm. excited to go see them in Vancouver. But you know, I agreed. 
<laughs> and, Why and, not? And I was really, really impressed with the opening band. We were the Darcy's. I couldn't believe how great they were. They just, yeah, it was really awesome. And that rarely happens where you show up at a gig and the opening band just blows you away. You don't really want to ever go that route <laughs> in here. And you know, a friend of mine uh, uh, who produced one of our albums, he, we were planning our like CD release party, and he had said, uh, we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to get this band to come play at our CD release party. And he said, no, no, you don't want them to play for you. And we're like, why not? They're our good friends. <laughs> of course we do. And he goes, no, they're better than you. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah, I guess they are. And he's like, you do not want a band that's better than you to open for you because they'll make you look bad. You want to make sure that every band that opens for you is shittier than you are. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fucking makes a lot of sense. They're well, especially for this. <laughs> especially for an album release, you know, hey, it's our big show, this is all about us, and everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. buying the, the opening oh, band CD band. instead of mine, right. you know? And, and it just, it, totally. And then <laughs> you're also inviting all the press guys to that show. That's the important uh, one that you want to make sure that people think you're great. It's great that you play last and you, everyone's good and liquored, but you, also, <laughs> but you also want to make sure that the band before you doesn't fucking rule. When if they do make sure it's at the same, I've gone to lots same of shows. Of yeah, I've gone to lots of shows where all three bands have just been like phenomenal. I went away with like, hey, right on! I went to see these guys, and now I'm a big fan of these two other bands as well. So, mm-hmm. but it just sucks when you go to see one show. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I guess what I wanted to do is uh, I'll play a track from uh, from their self-titled album, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit, and then we got that interview. We'll play that, and then. Uh, I'm I'm I'm. <laughs> yeah, I'm nodding my head right now. Yeah, I just realized right. that I'm on the radio. Um, <laughs> well, what I'll do is I'll send you guys a, an invite. I'll let you know that this is the itinerary for the show. You guys just let me know if that's okay. Is that cool? Are you okay with that for me? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna play a song. It's called uh, Edmonton's Purgatory. Awesome. And this is one of my favorite songs. So we're doing it. So fuck you. Fuck. You rock never dies, brother.
one that goes Vancouver and I, you know I was like whatever fucking a kid at the time and I'm like Vancouver ah. I'm a Vancouver let's <laughs> bridge I'm trying to think of the one band they have that one song and it's an actual name of a city but whatever city they play in they just opt that name in instead it's and not I, the name of the actual track no it's like it's something weird so like for for the Darcy's for example this song is called Edmonton Depart- uh, Purgatory. Purgatory right so when they're in Calgary they would call it Calgary to Purgatory right and, and when they're like, in Lethbridge I don't know that song on the, it's like but, but it's more of like a really really famous song I can't even remember it's like by the the um, Grateful Dead it's like Kiss or a Grateful Dead or something name one Grateful Dead song because I can't right now I can't name any it's weird they've never been at like a hit song it's been a whole entire experience of the whole show well the grateful dead they're more of a classic more like my parents used to listen to them all the time right um that was something that i was kind of growing up on but i kind of went my with my own new style of music where the music scene was going at that point is it because your parents were into it that you weren't into it no, no, I'm definitely a grateful, you know, I'm a Bangles fan, <laughs> you I'm know. I'm a Bangles fan, but like, um, I listen to my folks. No, no, I used to listen to them all the time. ABBA? Oh, my goodness, I used to listen to tons of ABBA. My parents had all of the albums. Same Blondie, thing with the Beatles, Blondie, yeah. Cindy Lauper. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love Cindy Lauper. Yeah, man, I love me some Lauper. You know, <laughs> if you went down to Burger King, you get yourself a Whopper. I love Whopper. <laughs> With extra relish. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, no, let's, um, so we had a chance to talk to them. Let's play another track, and then we will, uh, we'll go with the interview. So we'll just, like, you know, we'll make it kind of, like, a, like seamless. So no one Song knows. interview. Yeah, we'll do, like, this interview. Interview, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll come back. So, yeah, it was nice of them to take the time to talk to us, and uh, so we'll throw that up. Anything else? Boobies. Oh 
Um, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess the first thing we wanted to just uh, ask you guys a few questions. First of all, where are you right now? We're just going up to a venue in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. Uh, and I just got out of the van. All right, there we go. This, this might be a bit easier now. Uh, yeah, we just we just got in Edmonton. We played in Canmore, Alberta, last night, and then drove to Calgary to stay with some friends. Okay. Oh, nice. How was Calgary for you? Calgary's always nice. Unfortunately, there hasn't been a show there uh, on the last two tours that we've we've done through this this part of the country, which is kind of unfortunate because uh, in the past couple of years we went there quite a lot, made a lot of friends. So kind of like a, one of those weird home away from home kind of situations. Right on. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so I guess I was kind of going through uh, your discography and uh, it was kind of interesting because the most recent album that you guys have put out, it's the cover album of Steely Dan covers, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and you guys recorded that before your last album. I guess it's like the first arts and craft album that you guys had out, the self-titled one, and then after that was the cover album. Do you want to talk a little bit about why it took so long for that to come out and what, what made Yeah, well, so, so our, our self-titled album, um, I, it took a long time for a number of reasons, but it, we, we kind of started writing that when we moved back from Halifax to Toronto after, as, as we were all kind of finishing up school, we started demoing that and recording like early versions of those songs in the basement. And uh, eventually we hooked up with Free Lightburn from the Deers to kind of oversee the project and, and start production. And we did a bunch of tracking and it kind of just took forever to get a mix that we liked. So we had a number of different people attempt mixing the tracks and it just didn't work out the way that we wanted to. And then eventually we got hooked up with Dave Schiffman who works out of Los Angeles and he kind of like miraculously came in at the end and... and and save the day? Finally, he clicked and he understood kind of like we were having a hard time articulating what we want and also the way we recorded it was kind of confusing. Just like a lot of sounds and, and the way that things were layered, I guess it was hard for us to, to have the, you know, all, the, all the elements of the recording articulated properly. And so he came in and did it, but through this whole process, like it was two years of different people working on it and it's kind of out of our hands at that point. It's surprising that like a lot of bands would just kind of give up if it doesn't work in the first couple of mixes, or if you, you know after a while you just kind of go, oh, maybe it's not working. Like, what made you guys want to stay with it? Why, why, why work so hard? And and was it just really that important, or what was the reason behind it? Well, I think that I mean, some bands go into a studio and write a song there, and uh, you know maybe they haven't had it around for very long, and so you know I feel like it's like the level of attachment that you have with the work and. And in this particular uh, instance, we'd, we'd worked on those songs kind of tirelessly for almost over a year. Mm -hmm. Some of them had gone through like five or six different versions. We'd been playing them on the road. Like we've become really close to them. We kind of, we, I guess we just cared about the album and, and sometimes, you know, difficult things are worthwhile in the end. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, we, we've been really excited to have like a legitimate recording out and, uh, you know, gathered yeah, borrowed as much money as we could, saved up as much money as we could possibly make ourselves and, and dumped it all into the project and it kind of seemed like just a waste of time, money, energy, you know, creativity, everything to just let it burn, to just let it go. Yeah. I feel like it'd be kind of disheartening to the point where it'd be hard to continue as a band, you know? Yeah, no, no, I can understand that. So, I mean, um, I guess when you guys put out the last album, 
the self-titled one, it was just, this seemed like this is the right time for you guys to do it then. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that's the weird thing is when it takes three years to make an album, you know, and plus the time to actually have the, the release scheduled and, and ready was it's very delayed. Like we were introducing ourselves, I guess, uh, with that music, but it was it was a little, a little out, not necessarily outdated, but it wasn't exactly where we were currently because we had already started writing a new record, right? Yeah. Um, but that's where the that's where the Asia album came from is because we had once the once the mix was in someone else's hands, we still had like a, you know a lot of uh, a lot of energy and a lot of ideas and we, that we wanted to you know put to tape. But we weren't necessarily we didn't think it was a good idea to like jump into writing and working on a new album before you know the previous one was even complete let alone released so we kind of like we kind of i don't know the idea we just kind of passed around a little bit and that once we had done i think two songs we showed it to bunch of people like, i mean our manager at the time and some friends and they were like you have to finish that yeah and sometimes so, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i was gonna say and sometimes like just there's something liberating maybe about working on an album of covers because it's not like anyone has to feel um, like they they own necessarily the songs. You can own the mix and you can own like the you know the performance, but it's not as though it's your songs. So you don't have to feel um, you don't have to feel insulted, I guess. Sometimes if somebody wants to do well, something. I mean, ideally in any kind of like creative project like that with with a number of people, you you like everyone to check their ego at the door. Right. And yep. when working on someone else's songs, the ego's just not involved. It's just, it's like, what? how crazy can we get with this? What can we do? Here's an yeah. idea. Here's this thing. Here's this. But it's like, you're not as attached to your ideas in the same way. It's not like this sentimental lyric or this like guitar part that you wrote at this time that reminds you. Know, it's, like, it's not as like loaded yep. in that sense. It's, it's much more like an exercise. Yeah. And... And I think I think where we found our attachment to that project is that we originally scheduled like it to take two months, and then it ended up taking eight. And uh, I think Wes and I both kind of lost our, lost our jobs around that time because we were just like putting all of our time and energy into the recording and not and not necessarily the other things that we probably should have been paying attention to. And uh, and so like all of a sudden like that kind of thing that 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 wasn't necessarily like internalized it became that way you know in kind of a roundabout way right okay cool yeah um so i guess the when i when i saw you guys play i guess it was uh in vancouver i don't know how many days ago it was i had i had pretty i guess i'm not gonna say low expectations but um i had seen clap your hands and say yeah before and i wasn't super blown away so i was kind of like I guess preparing myself just to be underwhelmed, and then I was lucky enough to catch. It was true. <laughs> underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I saw you guys play, I was just absolutely blown away. And one of the things um, that I loved was was the crescendos that you guys had. Um, and it seemed like every song you played, there was always these super big, huge moments. Um, and I guess my question is. Do those come naturally, or is that something you guys plan? With every song that you write, do you say, this is where we need to get really big? This is where we need to come down and break it down? Or is it more of just everybody's playing off each other's energy and it just happens? Well, I think it's, uh, it's an intensity thing. But, uh, but we, all, we also kind of joke sometimes that we, we have to try to write a song that doesn't have that kind of dynamic to it because I think we, it's something we just didn't 
classic music. I mean, I definitely listen to a ton of like uh, post rock, instrumental post rock, and stuff. And you know, my kind of formative guitar playing years and stuff like that. And I always really appreciated the, the how I know a band like Do Make They Think, for example, like how they could be the quietest band, even though there's like you know whatever ten of them, they could go from being the quietest band to the loudest band like within a minute. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like such a powerful quality because it can really like. You know, I feel like when 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 music is is that that large and that epic and that loud, it's kind of like just takes over. So you can't really have a conversation in the crowd. You can't, you know, really order. Hopefully, you can't really order a drink at that moment. It kind of like demands your attention, and and hopefully that way, like that's not the kind of band that's going to be chatting and telling jokes. Like we, I don't think we're really great at connecting with the audience in that way. But hopefully, you know, if if the music is, is large enough and powerful enough in that sense, it kind of like brings everyone into the same place of like... Especially when it, when it sneaks up on you and maybe somebody's having a conversation and then the conversation just kind of falls off because something's happening that nobody can really kind of ignore. That's, that's exactly. a powerful thing. Like we're not trying to instigate a, a, a dance party. We're not trying to, I don't know, you know, like make girls weep. <laughs> just, like, just, just the guys. Sort of, just the guys. Some sort of presence. And I, and I think that's just kind of a way that we, well, we've learned to do that. And I mean, it, yeah, it's also just a way for us to think that, like, those those moments even get more intense as the tour wears on because you, know, you spend so much time traveling and, you know, you're away from home and your family and, and your close friends, et cetera. And, and I think that you try to, like, really harvest and, and um, maximize the effectivity of those, of those moments that you have to really like I don't know if it's certain, is the right word I want to use right now but like uh, to really I don't know to maximize the effort of that moment you know yeah. I mean? like on stage we want, it to, we want it to be as as um, as big and as loud and as like active as possible because like that's that's where we kind of get that part of that gratification that physical gratification of the show yeah yeah. So, so what's next for you guys? Are you? How long is the tour lasting? I saw. I mean, your your schedule seems like it's it's pretty intense, but. Um... Yeah, I mean, we're in the greater scheme. We're kind of like uh, on on the getting towards the end of in uh, mid January. Okay. And aside from a, a couple weeks here and there at home, we've, we're we're gone until almost almost July. I think the last week of January finished. Wow. Um. um so, so it's cool because you know it's nice to be back. We we're out of the country for over a month, and so it's really nice to be back in Canada and you know going up to familiar places and seeing old friends and it, get to turn our cell phones on. Is it tough? And I I guess this is kind of um, it partially is a question about just the overall um, um, the overall state of the music business in general. But do you find that that you guys are having to tour more now, or are most bands that you guys are playing with are you finding that everyone's having to tour more often? Um, and and is that okay with you guys? Well, I, I mean, it's hard to say because we haven't really been in, in it for long enough to, to witness right. a, a massive yeah. change because really we've only had albums that legitimately since October. Yeah. But, but I mean, from our position, I think we, why we're touring so much now is because we're new and we have these records that we want to share, you know, in as many places as possible so that when we get around uh, to completing our next album, there's like more people listening, to, listening or ready to listen to it, hopefully. Right. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, like, you know, the band, 
And especially when you're a great live band, that's how you're going to make the most impact. People are going to see you. Um, and, and, and I mean, in a time when kind of music's become really disposable and you'll probably only, you know, you go on YouTube or you go on MySpace and you listen to something for 10 seconds. But if you're at a show and you're sitting there and something impresses you, then, then that's going to leave a huge mark. Definitely. I mean, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, touring is amazing, right? Like, we, yeah. in, the last, in the last month and a half, we've been to a bunch of crazy places that I would have otherwise never, possibly never been to. And, you know, I'm, I'm also there with my best friends. Playing rock shows, which is my favorite thing to do. So, like, yeah. there's a really positive element to yeah. it, always. But, but I think it's all the point. Like, something great and timeless about about going to see live music, and especially, you know, like a yeah, like a well-executed band, and, and cool for us to, to travel with, with other other acts that we really respect too. Because you know, we get to not only make friends, but you know, like kind of be inspired by these other great artists, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of listeners uh, in Japan, uh, so uh, we were wondering if you guys have any plans to play at some of the big festivals they have there. Uh, specific, like lockdown, no, but we, we're very enthusiastic about the idea, and we've, we've kind of been talking about it here and there. I think it's just about um, finding the right timing. Yeah, it's just July and August. No. I think there's the two big ones. There's Fuji Rock and Summer Sonic, and those are the... Yeah, I think you guys would fit in really well there. Well, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I, I think it'll probably be the kind of thing that uh, we get a little bit more international next year. Yeah. We're going to be, we're gonna be uh, getting our work on a new album in the coming months. So. Cool. Once, once, that's, once that's all uh, well on its way, I think we're going we're gonna to start getting, getting to some more foreign places. Cool. That's cool. So you guys are planning uh, another tour next year then, more of an international type of tour? Yeah, again, I mean, it's not locked down, but it's, it's, that's part of the plan. It's, you know, once we have uh, the next album finished, it's going to be a little bit more extensive than it has been to date. Right on. How many times have you guys gone on tour now? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know how you count, too, because it's like, if you stop, you yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. I mean, like, there's a of, like, when you, reach, when you reach one ocean or the other from Toronto, especially, like, North America. So, like, even even since January this year, we've kind of done a full. Or by the time we finish, we'll have done a full kind of circle of North America twice, wow. plus wow. UK, UK, and a bunch of Europe shows. Wow! Is it? Is like it? One, sorry, go ahead. One notable, one notable, one notable uh, flight we took from Amsterdam all the way to San Diego. To pick up, to pick up on a on that club hand tour after being at Bombay Bicycle Club, in in uh, Holland. That's a long flight. So it was like, yeah, I, yeah, no, like it was like it was like a thirteen hour flight, I think. Yeah, that's not fun. It was, you know, it was just kind of like a crazy thing for us to do. Yeah. I don't even like flying from Vancouver to Calgary, and it's only an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to watch The Godfather one, two, and three. Three. <laughs> well, let's watch the third one. <laughs> I once I once took exactly. I once took a flight from uh, from Tokyo to New York, and then I stayed for twelve hours and went back, and I ended up arriving back in Tokyo like an hour before I left. Oh, <laughs> it was stupid. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for talking to us. Um, and uh, yeah, and next time you guys come back to Vancouver, let us know and we'll um we'll be yeah, there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully in the, in the late summer, early autumn. Okay. Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot. Well.
did help me through my breakup on uh my way to work and home from work and during my breaks i would listen to pineapple and it would just totally get my mind off of you know what's been going through my head during that time and it's i often of... think of pineapple too sometimes just to make sure that things don't happen too soon <laughs> <laughs> some people with baseball i find pineapple work <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, we're talking about the Darcys. That's not about me. It's not about me. Um, so where were we? Oh, well, okay, so we've heard a couple tracks. We came back with, uh, with Don't Bleed Me. And then uh, I, what I want to do is play one of the Steely Dan songs. Because uh, that's, that's interesting. And I, the versions aren't even... Well, they're, I guess they're similar, but I don't find them very similar at all. Here's the. F- this is my thoughts about about cover bands, um, or cover bands. not cover bands. Sorry, cover about tracks. cover cover tracks. All right. And you know, before I had a very very different 
kind of an attitude towards it, right? I didn't yeah. like it. You know, I'd go to a show and they play another band or another song, and I was just always like, I didn't like. I can turn on the radio or I can buy this, and and well, I never really make liked it. New with it, no, and, and exactly right. Um, so what was it? We had Mama and Palpa down, um, platinum artist from Mexico, and I was sitting there telling, I was talking to one of the one of the singer or one of the guys in the band about it. And I'm like, oh, I hate it when you guys do covers. Like, it's fucking bullshit. You know, like, give me a break. And he got wow. all mad at me. Of course he did. You yeah. just told him it's bullshit. Well, I didn't, I wasn't saying it to him per se, but he, you, you were know. saying it to him. Well, and, I, and it was more of a rule of a thumb, of thumb for me, <laughs> rule of a thumb. But uh, I'm going to crack a bottle of wine while you finish this. Sentence. Cool, man. <laughs> so, but the cool thing is, is, uh, so we started talking back and forth about why this works and why it doesn't work and why it works and doesn't work. Right. And one of the things that he said to me was, when a band does a cover of a song, they're basically trying to play as good as them, right? It's like one of the hardest songs that they can do. Um, you know your own songs and that kind of stuff, right? But you already know this song when they start playing it. So they're going to have to impress you, right? And they're going, we can put ourselves up on this level. And it's kind of like showing them okay. of where their talent is. And that's when I first started really going okay, I understand doing the cover in the middle of a set because now it's something that I can relate okay. to. Yeah. And if I'm doing a review or if, I, if I'm just there at the show, now I can actually talk to someone about it outside of the show because okay. I feel a little bit more... Well, there's, there's, I, okay, I agree with you. But uh, when I was first playing in bands and starting out, there was a lot of... Um, like a lot of guys in the bands were like, let's do a cover, let's do a cover. And I was adamant, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do a cover because I felt that if I play a bunch of covers, then people in the audience aren't going to know where the originals are. They're going to go, exactly. oh, well, that's a cover, so that means everything else is a cover. As I never want to go see this band again because all they're no. going to do is covers all night. And, but I think the reality of it was I didn't want to play a cover because I couldn't, I didn't want to fuck up a cover. But if it's my own song, I can make as many fuck-ups as I want <laughs> because I, it doesn't matter and no one knows any better. Um, and that was that was just. I think a cover can be useful to get people to associate you with another band, mm -hmm. and it can also be useful because uh, they can see how you are creative and how you've taken this idea and and you kind of put your own style to it, and so they kind of see what you're about because Definitely. you know you're you're doing. And I mean, don't get super cliched like a Beatles or a Rolling Stones, but you can. Well, going back to earlier in our conversation, it's like uh, the SSRIs. Um, the way when I first was introduced to them, as they were a Beatles cover, right? They're right downtown Vancouver. They're always doing Beatles covers and that kind of stuff. We got them to do our uh, Vancouver Indie Pop Series show um, on Friday nights at... Uh, Anyways, <laughs> no plug right now, but they're, they're a really, really talented band. They have all their own material and that kind of stuff, right? But when they're going out and they're advertising themselves, all they do is simply uh, Beatle covers. And it's, you know, it's a really, really cool thing to, to see. Um, and now you got the Darcy's sitting there doing the same thing um, no, I, and I doing the whole cover. And, I, and now that I had this discussion with the Mama and Papa guys before, um, even with this uh, conversation as well, it kind of like, okay, now I kind of look forward to seeing that cover, you know, seeing how that goes and that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, and I think, um, especially when you get like an entire album, um, and it's, it's pretty obvious, so it's not like people are going to wonder, oh, where's the original, where's the cover? It's an album and they're all covers. <laughs> But they're not even covers. You could call them reimagining. You could call them 
thanks for me. I was struggling to find the uh, bottle opener. And I was trying to ramble on tell his he got that. So, and now, uh, it, yeah, it was, whoa. The hell? Yeah, I just pushed the cork down into the bottom of the <laughs> bottle. Oh, man, I got wine all over me. You got wine all over the place. Is it all over the back? Wow, Dan, that's impressive, buddy. Hey, it's not my fault that the cork's fucked up. Yeah, why didn't you think about a pineapple when you were opening that thing? (laughs) (laughs) The cork went down. Look how horrible that is. All right, while I'm cleaning this up, can we just play one of these songs? Yeah, let's go play. Jeez. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Everywhere. Um, Okay, we're going to play Black Cow. Black Cow. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with the original version, congratulations. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got wine in my pants. It sucks. All right, here we go. Black cow. In the corner of my Sure. 
So, um... We're all cleaned up now? Yeah, I just want to, first of all, say, fuck you, wine bottle. <laughs> <laughs> You're not invited back to my house. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> It'll always be fine. There will always be wine at Dan's. House of Valentine Records. <laughs> um, maybe. 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 I'm going to have to think hard. Put those on its side, honestly. You think that's better? Dude, I bartended for... Okay, I will. I'll do yeah. it for you. No, you want to. No, trust me, because you want to keep the wine on the cork so it keeps it moist. Otherwise, it dries out, and every time and that's been that shit will wrong. break up. That's been sitting there for like a week. Like, you want to sit two. there with a cork in your wine? No. Exactly, because when that shit dries out and you try and open it, it fucking gets all over and the place. And that's what fucking, And you basically need a fucking sift. That's what just sift. happened. A fucking sift. That's what just happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That's what happened right there. I'm a bartender. Ex-bartender. No, I'm not an ex. It never leaves. It's like riding a bike. I still freelance. It's like a Navy SEAL. It's like a Navy SEAL. If anybody needs bartending or a bartender. Or a throat slit. Jordan at vanmusic.ca. <laughs> you just gave out like, your email. People are going to email you now. Do you know how many no, emails I get every no. day? You know it's how many junk, emails? Junk you, know what, you know what's really pissing me off? What? Facebook and its need to fucking email me now. Like, oh, you can turn that off, you know. I've been trying. Like, honestly, within an hour, I'm getting well... Like, anytime someone, like, notifies me or puts me in a group or any of that fucking yeah. bullshit, they fucking email me. You can turn and that I'm, shit off. I've done it before, the but they just changed like it ever photos. since the new like cover Someone shit. else puts a photo up of you, and even if it's... You want to know. And even if... <laughs> well, like, if, you're, if another friend of yours uh, likes it, then uh, that photo is there and everyone else can see it, all the friends of... Yeah, that's bullshit. In yep. fact, that's super bullshit. Yeah, super. Correction, super duper bullshit. Wow. <laughs> Edit, editor's note. Super duper bullshit. I'm, uh, I'd like to be, have that put into the uh, slang dictionary. Super sure, it's there. Bullshit. Super duper bullshit. That's not really a word. It's more of a phrase. Okay, fine. Whatever you got to do to shoot. <laughs> Whatever <it>. fucking dictionary. <laughs> Whatever, man. She earned that shit. Um, so, uh... Uh, what's do you want to play something else to go out on, or do you want to go out? Let's go out on Lighthouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do that. No, I was just talking to Dan. Uh, yeah, because you were saying that you're going to the Lighthouse show, and I'm like, "What the fuck's that?" And then you're like, "Don't you know?" This Lighthouse? is the only guy that doesn't know Lighthouse. I'm actually I'm really, sorry, really shocked. Especially someone your age, like we would know who they are. Oh yeah, because you're such an old man. That's not <laughs> what I'm fucking saying. Yeah. So, but I mean, that I guess what I'll say is that. Um, I once I heard it, I'm like, oh, I know this song. Yeah. So it's not as though I never heard them before. It's that I didn't know the name to the sound. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah. So where, where where are you going? What's the show? Where is it? It's I think it's at the Commodore Ballroom. Right. Um. And these guys are massive in the seventies. They're huge. Yeah. They're they're like they were right up there with like all the. All the great. always chimes in. Oh, they're really big in Japan. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like <laughs> biggest cliche ever. I'm sure that's like, where they've been for the last 10, 20 years now. But Mr. Big are still touring Japan, and it's sold out shows. And there's something wrong with that. See, it makes me want to get a band together and go to you fucking have to be Japan. Mr. Big, you have to want to be with you. Hey, man, when you're this big, they call you Mister. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, is that a copyright infringement? <laughs> I think we'll be fine. I think so. We're overseas. <laughs> We're not overseas at all. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm getting on them. You've been overseas for quite some time. <laughs> um, all I right. feel a little seasick. Uh, corked wine. Well, I'll fix the wine. 
I bought some lights too. I'm gonna wrap the lights around the wire. I saw them. I was tripping when I, I was. Them. Yeah, I used them at the show last week. And oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the other band was using them too. Fucking hell. Yeah. Using fuck my them. Lights. Fuckers. They don't realize. They that owe was, me money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was what that was supposed to set you apart from all the other fucking bands, and they fucking stole they your owe shit. Me money, which yeah. is cool. It's not cool. Whatever. No, you know, money's money. never cool. Deal side. with that shit <laughs> on the flip side. Uh, okay, you want to play Lighthouse, and the name of the song from Lighthouse is... It's well, good that this is at the end, so people can just shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody still listening? Nobody's listening. Um, is anybody all right, cool. out there? Let's do it. What's the name of the song? Well, let's take a look real quick. Uh, Lighthouse was the only act, other than Jimi Hendrix, asked to perform a second night among groups that... Who included The Who, Miles Davis, Joni Mitchell, The Doors, Chicago, blah, 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 blah. Um, Janice Joplin would have done it, but she was dead. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so that show's on August 9th at the Vogue Theater. Doors at 7, show's at 8. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I can't believe that you've never... Yeah. I just, I mean, my 70s rock is a little, like, hard anthemic. Jazz rock is a little rusty. Yeah, yeah. I focus my all my kind of energy on the '80s and possibly the '90s a little too much. So it's the <laughs> '70s. I know the pioneers of the '80s because, like, really, but, who but wants is, to remember the '80s? But this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, everybody's ripping off everybody, right? Yeah. And so you talk to somebody about '90s music, and uh, if you put that guy in a room with someone who's heavy into '70s music. He'll just say, oh my god, the 90s guys, just all these movies, all these bands are derivative of stuff from the 70s. And then if you grab a guy from the 2000s, everyone's going to, basically every generation is going to tell the next generation that their music is ripping off the, the previous generation. So then recycle yourself. I used to, I just... Sorry, go on. Sorry, what? I just wanted to go see uh, Sonic Boom um, a couple of months back, which was completely awesome. But people are like, who's Sonic Boom? Who's Sonic Boom? Um, <laughs> and then I go, well, do you guys know who Spaceman 3 is? He goes, yeah, well, this was the fucking guy from fucking Spaceman 3 who started this whole fucking genre of fucking music, you know? And now, you know, 20-some years later, bat, boom, he's back with Sonic Boom, yep. staying up with it and that kind of stuff, right? So but recycle yourself. All the time, right? So you got... Um... You know, who's he, what's he going to say? Who's, who's, who's Sonic that? Boom? Oh, well, I'm ripping off Spaceman 3. You know? yeah, but I mean, it happens all the time. It's like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, he's the lead singer of whatever band. Oh, okay. And then you got somebody who knows that. And then it's right. like, well, who's that guy? Oh, well, you know, he's the, uh, well, White he's the lead singer of the example. previous bass player from whatever band. <laughs> and it's like, it just keeps going. And this is how musicians and musos and people like us and whoever, this is how we talk to each other. This is how we figure shit out. That's how we figure shit out. Sorry. We're our own little Google. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, that's the dude from whatever. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Now I know what to expect. Well, it's kind of like um, at uh, my open mic that I host, this guy, Gary Chalk, comes down. People are like, who's Gary Chalk? I'm like, oh, do you know the voice of Optimus Prime? Now, you, honestly, he's not... Everyone like, knows who Gary Chalk is, by the way, but... Nobody knows who Gary Chalk is. Well, this guy needs to be a little bit more no, nerdy but then. I, listen, I... Definitely, I'm interested. Um, he was in The Watchmen, which is one of my favorite movies. Yep. He's uh, in a lot of movies. Yeah, but he is the, uh, he's the B-team 
voice of Optimus Prime. He's not the original voice of Optimus Prime. He's the voice of Optimus Prime in a couple video games and some cartoons, but not from the original cartoon series and not from... No, he was in like five different cartoons, like the yes. Beast Wars uh, yeah, 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 one. Yeah. These are um, all like side kind of... And he was also Optimus Primal, which is basically the same fucking yeah. person. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he was, he's basically the general who's sitting beside Richard Nixon in uh, Watchmen when they're in the war room. And I think there's just... There, for me, I watched a movie the other day, and it's like, oh, there's... There's, there's Gary Chalk. <laughs> he's always... Oh, what it, was he? He was, he was in the uh, TV show The Killing. He yeah. plays uh, her... Uh, it's either her... Her, it's not her dad. It's somebody she's talking to about her kid. So it's either that dude who owns the house or something like that. Anyway, it's like it's very rare do you see like her personal life. So he's the only dude that she talks to about the well-being of her kid. Uh, either it's somebody's dad or her dad or something. But either way, he's super super prevalent in Canadian and Vancouver uh, TV and movies. But he's on a few Junos. For supporting actor in Juno? Yeah. Ooh. Are you sure it's a Juno? It could have been a Grammy. No, no. Wait, no, Juno. That's music. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Um Is it a Gemini? Could have been a Gemini. Or is it a Leo? Leo's TV. I can I can Is a Leo TV and a Gemini is movies? Oh the, yeah, okay. So he's won two Grammy Awards um, for Best Supporting Actor uh, Grammy. in the Drama Series. Grammy? No, Gemini. Gemini, not yeah. a Grammy. There's no, no I, Grammy sorry. at all. Gemini. Yeah. So he he had a he had a um, uh, a supporting actor role on Cold Squad. So for like what was it? Ten years he had. He made an appearance through um, the episodes through the years. I was super into uh, Da Vinci's Inquest. And also uh, Intelligence. Those were great Vancouver TV shows. And pretty much every actor that ever acted in Vancouver was in any one of those episodes that, like, at any given point in time. <laughs> A guy I went to high school, it's like, he shows up in, uh, in, in just as, like, drug dealer number one. And it's like, everybody you know that ever did acting... <laughs> Is in one of those episodes. It's like going to... It's great for the city. Going to, where is it? Kingston, Ontario, I think it is. Where if you go there, you know someone, of the, someone that was in Degrassi High. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think that's where they film it. It's and, somewhere there in Ontario. So, someone like Gary Chalk, I think that, um, that it's cool that he pops up in all this stuff. And it, it's also a little bit of a... Um, it's a way you can recognize that this is shot in Vancouver. Like, as soon as... You see him, his face, almost like a Where's Waldo in the background. You're like, you're like, you're like, Where's Waldo? (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, right, Vancouver. Like, even if the whole thing's like space, soundstage, deep space nine, whatever you want, like in the middle, there's no landmarks at all. But you see him in the background working a computer and you're like, okay, well, that's obviously Vancouver. They're filming it. That dude doesn't travel. (laughs) It's like watching the X-Files. X-Files is another prime example. Mm Mm-hmm. He travels. I yeah, I know, but I mean, you definitely know you're in Vancouver when you see was, these people. He went to ComCon or something like that. Um, about I'm going a month to ComCon in July. Yeah, but he was often somewhere in in the states or whatever, right? And he had he was showing me his own personal videos of uh, the crowd. He's like, "Yep, yeah, this is me up on the thing," and he's showing like the crowd and the mask. And I was like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." Because he uh, like you accidentally see some like rude shots. 
food shots. No, like showing your personal videos. Like, yeah, it was oh, like, wait a minute, that's Hoker in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been an interesting week of people that I've been like running into as well. Um, on just the other day, I bought the what record store was it, right? And guess who fucking walks in? HMV. No, I said a record store. <laughs> <laughs> No, guess who uh, walks in? <laughs> I was at like Red Cat or uh, Red Cat Zulu. Uh, no, it wasn't Zulu. It was it was on on Main Street, and I know there Red was two Cat. of them. It was Red Cat. You yeah, Red Cat. that's right. And guess who walks in? Gary Chalk. Doot 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 doot. I was just like, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him. I'm like, is around everywhere though. Holy fuck, are you ever old now? <laughs> is he old? Well, come on, the guy's been around. He's been doing interviews since like the fucking seventies and that kind of shit, right? I but when you don't see him on, when he's not on, you like as soon as you put a camera in front of him, boom, he just takes off. Like he's I a perfect saw person him to interview. Maybe two years ago, last, and it was kind of far away, so I wasn't quite sure. He looked fine. Oh no, he looks great. It's, it looks great, but when, like you're near, like right having a conversation with him, you can see like the he's an he's an older guy now. Like yeah. he's got these little eyes. And in case you don't know, Nardwar is. Uh, like a regular staple in Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver. He's a he's a member of the press. Um, he's well. He's also on much music. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's done. Uh, he's done like kind of guest hosting and had regular shows on our version of MTV. Much music. <laughs> uh, he's he's you know obviously like music columns. He's played in underground like uh, punk bands. He's interviewed so many. He's interviewed everybody. Like, he had this interview Snoop Dogg like with, three times. He had and... this interview with. Uh, Henry Rollins, which was my favorite, and I couldn't, it was just like the most interesting thing and exciting thing to watch I've ever seen. And so he's in our interview with Henry Rollins, and Nardwar always is known for asking just ridiculous questions, right? <laughs> so he asks Henry Rollins, he's like, so um, uh, do you like polka, tot, polka dots or do you like plaid? What's your favorite? <laughs> and then uh, Henry Rollins is like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> and then Nardwar's like, okay, so um, when you woke up this morning, what kind of cereal did you eat? Are you a Frosted Flakes man or do you like Cheerios? And then he's like, um, is this really the questions you're going to ask me? Is this Because you got one more chance. You got one more fucking chance, motherfucker. <laughs> and he's getting super aggressive. And he's like, you... Your next question better be a real question or I'm fucking walking. And you, I can't fucking believe who the fuck set this interview up. This is, you got one fucking last chance. You got one last chance. And then he's like, okay, um, so uh, my niece bought Holly Hobby, but I said strawberry shortcake. So which one? And he's just like, fuck this. And he drops the mic and he walks off. And Nardwar's just standing there. And I'm just going, the fucking balls. The balls on this guy. Because Rollins is a scary dude. When he, and he was yelling, nostrils flaring. And Nardwar's just like, no, I'm going to keep going with this. This is my deal. He's been through so many interviews. Has he and ever so many punched? Of the, he must have been. Right. Like, and, but there's, they're not, not, it's not, he's not offending Rollins. He's just wasting his time. That's exact, but that's <laughs> Nardwar. Yes. Like, it, it's funny because that first interview is always, 
one of the funniest ones, right? Because by the time he gets to the second and the third interviews, like Snoop Dogg, he interviews Snoop Dogg every time he comes to Vancouver. And they get him now, right? Yeah, so and now Snoop Dogg is like, okay, I'm, and he's all prepared for it, right? And he gives them right back to Nardwar now. Just ask, answer yeah, let's answer it fucking weird now, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And, that, and that's kind of the cool thing about watching these first interviews is because you're just like, they have it's, no fucking clue it's, who they're going to. It's, it's similar to watching a Tom Green or anybody else. It's like, you either get him or you don't get him. And if you don't get him, you hate him. <laughs> yeah. You, you, if you, if you do get him, you, you might not know him, but you're confu- and you're confused, but you get him and you're fine with it. If you don't get him, you want to punch him. Well, even if you do get him, you want to punch him a lot of times. Oh, whatever, like, man. That guy's a cool guy. Like I, I really like him, but. Yeah, but I mean, you figure these guys are on these junkets and they're kind of sick and tired of the regular questions anyway. So maybe there's nothing wrong with having something weird come out there. They're never like. I, so you, what's the deal with you raping that girl in the hotel room? It's not like that, right? It's just stupid questions. It's not. It's a, Van Music interviewed him a couple of years back, and I can't quite remember all of the I'm details. Sure he didn't answer any of the questions. Well, it was weird. You can't even ask the guy a question, to be quite honest. Like, that's how good of an interview. You know, you just, okay, the mic's on, and he grabs that mic, and he just goes off. And you basically have to pull that mic away to, to close that interview off. Yeah, he's awesome. Like, he's one of the best people to, that you can interview. But he was telling me stuff about, uh, or telling us about um, first time that he started uh, interviewing uh, Courtney Love. <laughs> Um, and Kurt Cobain and how that all got fucking set up and it was just, yeah, it was like, Like it it was, him and Courtney hated each other. Like Courtney hated him. Credit for introducing the two of them. Was there some kind of weird, Uh, I can't even remember. That seemed a little like it was, what happened was, uh, he was on CITR doing his radio show or whatever. Right. And he played, he played a, a song from Hole, um, or something like that, and then <laughs> and then Courtney calls up from that kind of stuff, right? Because she was supposed to do an interview, and there was no one there, and he somehow got scheduled to do this interview uh, with Courtney, and he was like totally unprepared and that kind of stuff, right? So when she called in and actually did the interview, he just sounded like a fucking dink, and she's like, "Fuck you," and da 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 da. So then the next time he fucking oh, came or she came to fucking so Vancouver. He shows up and he's like, hey, remember me? I'm the fucking asshole and blah, 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 blah. And so they kind of build up this kind of a, a hate, love-hate relationship where she or fucking hated him. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, it was because of her that he got to interview Kurt Cobain at the P&E. And that is just one fucked up interview as well. That's a really fucked interview. This is what, like early 2000s? <laughs> <laughs> early 2000s. <laughs> yes. Get it? Because Kirkamane died. Yeah, I got earlier it. than that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Get it? Did you not hear my sarcasm? No, it's great. If you could um, see me, I was shaking my head at the same time. Uh, let's get the fuck out of here. I was just having fun. I'm sorry. No, we had fun. It was great. All right, that was fun. Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Do we still have to play Lighthouse? No, we don't. Fuck it. Let's play... Uh... Fuck Lighthouse. <laughs> Fuck them. I'll see them on August Get 9th at the lighthouse. fucking Vogue. <laughs> uh, nah, man. Let's go with something good. I'm going to go see Ray Davis at the Kinks as well. That's cool. Uh, we wow. should. You know what you should almost close up on? Is why don't you do that interview with uh, Nardwar and... Um... I don't have it. We'll put it on... It's. I'm sure it's on YouTube. <sighs> I'm not going to like... All right. Well, I mean, it's too hard. I got to get off of YouTube and then I got to... And then there's like copyright infringement happening. And then 
Google it yourself, okay, motherfuckers. You, why, why don't you play something from the CD that you gave me today? <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, massive attack, man. This right, is gonna be dope. Uh, I went to go see. Yeah, I went to go see Mad Professor um, a couple months ago. It was awesome. We were doing a show at the Waldorf. Uh, we're good friends with with the owners of the Waldorf, and Mad Professor was there, and he's like, "Hey, do you wanna?" Who's Mad Professor? You don't know who Mad Professor? Well, I mean, is. maybe someone else doesn't know. Okay. Um, he is a DJ. There's it's uh, two of them. You got a DJ. Um, yeah, they're basically electronics. They just you know spin it and that kind of stuff. Uh, they've done a lot of work with uh, Massive Attack. Uh, basically, um, this album that or the song that we're gonna play off that comes off of this album, uh, Mad Professor put it all together and that kind of stuff and gave it to Massive Attack and they actually edited it and and uh, did all the editing for it and so. And this is the album. Do you have a particular track that you want to play? I don't care they're all awesome wow they're all awesome okay well pick one how about this one except that one really no that one's cool <laughs> no yeah play whatever man like they're all really well, good songs how about this one that i highlighted how about uh why don't you play trinity dub three that's the one you highlighted all right cool thank um, you guys so once again uh you can follow our fearless producer who was supposed to be here but didn't show up. Uh, Ray Bixon, once again, misses everything. He missed the interview. He missed uh, he missed the show. Motherfucker missed... said he was going to give me a ride home, too. He did give me this case of wine, so thanks. I don't know how I'm getting home tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, maybe I'll still show up. Um, you can follow Ray Bixon at Ray Bixon. R-A-Y-B-I-X-O-N. Um, you can also uh, go to Facebook and like us, which... We like to be liked, as everybody likes to be liked. I like being liked. Yeah. Um, you can go to our webpage, uh, Uh You can uh, check out Jordan at vanmusic.ca. Or follow him on Twitter at vanmusic.ca. Wait. No. Twitter.com. Yeah, at vanmusic. That's <laughs> your Twitter handle, right? That is my Twitter handle. At vanmusic. Same thing with Facebook. At Facebook. <laughs> slash Facebook or slash bad music. Yeah, you can like uh, you can like Jordan. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Va or at Jordan Van Music as well as my own personal handle. There's various internet ways to get in touch. Check me out on vanmusic.ca and I'll take you from there. It'll be a long, fun ride, but we'll have fun. We'll think of pineapples. <laughs> I'll wait a few more moments. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. We're gonna listen to this, which is uh, Trinity yeah, Dub and Mad Professor. Mad Professor, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, and have a good week-ish. Rock. No, you have something else. Oh, <laughs> rock never dies, brothers. Three, 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 three.